0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to How to College for First Gens, our podcast where we get together with some coffee and have real conversations about what it's like to be a first-generation student before, during, and after college. If you're a new listener, our goal here is to democratize knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about the first-gen experience, and hopefully help others going through some of the challenges we've experienced by sharing lessons learned from fellow first-gens. I'm Luce, one of the podcast co-hosts and a first-generation student myself. Today, we'll be having a conversation with Mr. John, a first-generation student, and immigrant, and a father of two college graduates. Since we're in the month of November, we wanted to bring you a special episode where we thank the generation that came before us for tackling some of the issues first-gens face and for helping to pave the road for the rest of us coming behind. And we also want to thank all of our parents out there for doing your best and instilling in us the drive to dream big and reach for our goals. Mr. John, welcome to our show, and thank you for sharing your story with us today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience?
1: My name is Herbert John. I immigrated to the United States in 1970. My mom immigrated first as a domestic worker. Two years later, sent for me, later for my brother. I was uh, 16 years old at the time. Attended Jack H. Senior High School for two years, the 11th and 12th grades. Went to TSU for four years and joined the military, a couple other jobs, and came back to Houston, got married in 1981, had two wonderful daughters and wonderful wife. I'm present just about at retirement age.
0: Thank you. And that's really exciting to have your two daughters, both college graduates, following in your footsteps of going to college and getting that college degree. Going back to what we'll call the beginning of your story, were your parents always supportive of a college education or what value did they place on education when you guys got to the U.S.?
1: When I came to the United States here and my mom sent for me, I almost immediately, high school, I joined the ICT program, industrial cooperative training. My idea was that I would join this program, learn some technical skills and get a job once I get out of high school and, and hopefully in the technical field, what there was no thought really to get in a college degree. And back in where I came from in Trinidad, education was very important, but I don't know so much at that time that I believed in going to college and, and that was available to me. So the idea was to really to work after I got out of high school. Uh, after I did graduate, my mom did suggest to try TSU, see if I can get into TSU and get that college education. Didn't have a major in mind. I was thinking, Essentially, a technical major, probably electricity or electronics, but I was able to take the tests and get in. I'm not sure if there was a cutoff on the SAT at that time, but I was able to get into TSU. And My mom supported me in the beginning. After that, I was able to work and go to school at the same time. and did that over the four and a half years that I was there.
0: Very interesting. So do you know what ultimately made you decide against going straight into a job and doing college instead? Was there a major factor that swayed you one way or the other?
1: The major fact is my mother thought it was a good idea. And one of the interesting things is to walk from home to school, I would normally walk. It wasn't very far. I would have to walk across the TSU campus or next to the TSU campus on Wheeler. So I I would see the university after walking by there a number of times. You get to start thinking about maybe uh, you can go there. Again, I'm coming from a background of not very many uh, college educated people in family back home in my immediate family. And a university it was like that—a house on a hill. It wasn't something that everybody aspired to while I was growing up.
0: And what was that whole process of, one, like figuring out even how to get to college, and then two, actually going through the motions and getting to TSU?
1: My mother suggested it because I really didn't have a plan. I- again, you know, that that's interesting. In life, really, we really need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. You need to know where you're going or where you want to go and then have a plan and, tr- and try and figure out how we get there. But I didn't have one at that time. I was a high school graduate, and I was looking for some kind of a technical position. And I had worked at a high-low-auto while I was in school in that training program, so I figured I would I would continue there full-time. But the, the process of getting into TSU was I found out, out how to schedule a test or how, how to get there to take the test and did it and was admitted. I, to this day, I don't know what I, what my score was on the SAT or whatever test it is that I took, but TSU at that time, I think, was more or less open adversity. Uh, I was my I was able to get in. My mom provided the first check to pay TSU for a um, semester, an interest in Side on that is that she wrote a check out to not Texas Southern University, but Texas State University. I didn't notice that until I went to get to pay for it, and of course, that check was rejected. But that was basically it.
0: I know for a, a lot of our first-in listeners not having anyone to guide them through the process it's, it's so intimidating and sometimes can even be the one thing that pushes them away from applying to college because they just have no idea how to go about doing so. So I think that's really great that you were able to figure that out on your own and make that dream happen having such limited information about how to do it.
1: It was basically walking on campus and, and maybe embarrassing yourself asking, you know, what you think, uh, Well, <laughs> what some other people may have- thought at that time were dumb questions, but you don't know. And you have to ask questions and go through the procedure. And it was a simple thing as a check, you know, it's Texas Southern University. And, and I think we probably knew it as TSU instead of Texas Southern University. So when I looked at the check, and it was a cashier's check, I didn't see anything wrong with it. And it's as simple as that. And there was a certain amount of embarrassment when I turned my check in and I tried to pay for my first semester. And of course, the person on the other side was fairly loud in telling the whole Room that your check is wrong. This is not Texas State University. This is Texas Southern University. uh, Embarrassment. Having a mentor, I tell you, having a mentor, uh, finding somebody who knows the system, who is familiar with the system, who knows something about the system, it is so, so important. And it's important even in high school. And it would have been very important in college too. I never did get a loan or a grant in college, so we paid out of our pockets. Didn't know about grants and loans at the time. That's how ignorant we were or not knowledgeable.
0: Yeah, and I think that happens for a lot of us, that we just don't know what resources are out there.
1: Exactly. Again, uh, we come to all these different countries. A lot of times, you're on your own in some of these countries, and they are not resources. They, you got to get handed to the United States that there are resources, if you can only learn about it and utilize them.
0: Going back, you mentioned mentors. Did you have a mentor that you were able to bounce ideas off and just help you along the process?
1: In that process, actually, no, I met a young man from the United States who, who became one of my best friends, and I did learn some things from him. But really, for somebody on the outside who was known to my mom or my stepdad or, or so, they were mainly working class people, and they really didn't have too much, again, we're talking almost 50 years ago, too much experience dealing with, you know, the college system, the university system.
0: So talking about that college experience, what was your college ex- experience like while you were going through TSU?
1: After my major embarrassment, they be paying the check. It was actually, I think, pretty good. I, I was into the technology school, majoring in, in electronics, with emphasis on electronics. I joined the karate club at the university, and I, there I met some wonderful people, and that helped. And it helped my self-confidence also. I'm kind of backing up a little bit, but when I first came to the United States from Trinidad, I was a skinny little kid. And one of the biggest things that, that shook me up was I looked at the kids who uh, I was in school with. and they seemed to be adults. They had mustaches, beards. They were huge compared to the kids I went to school with. So they did a the karate, uh, martial arts thing. And I, I met some friends there, met some wonderful people there and a wonderful instructor too. And I was uh, able to assimilate better because of that.
0: Yeah, I think that definitely has helped a lot of our first gens, just making sure you have some sort of community for various reasons, just somebody you can talk to, somebody you can ask for help, all of that. It's always so important to just have some sort of support group with you, kind of to write out the years. So TSU is an HBCU, so do you think that in a way maybe shaped your college experience? Do you think it would have been drastically different had you not gone to an HBCU?
1: it probably would have been a question of whether or not I would be admitted and again, I hadn't prepared, so I don't know what my SAT score was, as opposed to University of Houston. I don't know what the range, the scores were that you needed. The TSU had an international group of people actually there. In those days, it was before the Shah of Iran was uh, Detron. So uh, there were a lot of Iranians in, at TSU, as a matter of fact, uh, Middle Eastern, in, in the early 70s. And there were other people, uh, too. My nearest school would have been going to U of H, and I, I don't know how well I would would have done there because of my lack of preparation. Again, I just, I was looking at uh, finishing high school and finding a job.
0: Did you have any major challenges while you were going to TSU, whether that was academic or social?
1: The major challenges with TSU was being able to pay for the classes. My mom helped in the, in the beginning. And then uh, for the most part, uh, later on, I was working full-time and going to school. I would work as uh, stuck in shelves in a grocery store at night with, with that same friend of mine as I talked about earlier. And we would stuck shelves at night, and then we'd go to school. Get off at 6. I normally would work till after 6, of course, and uh, then go to school, fight the Houston traffic. Even then, there was Houston traffic. The challenges that, that I w- Really had a TSU would be finishing work and going to classes. I also had a car that was um, let's was less than
0: was <laughs> than ideal maybe.
1: Yeah, and the vehicle would break down and things like that. I remember spending a few nights sleeping in a car at the railroad tracks at Wheeler, and on the TSU campus at Wheeler. And the railroad tracks, I had park right there so I wouldn't have to pay, pay for parking because my mom didn't have a car. The challenges were not so much academic as all the other things. Not that TSU was that easy because I did get some C's and some D's over there. Well, at one time, I did get an F also. My fault, I was being lazy. The challenges was that. And also, at that time, I'm still learning a new culture. As a 21, oh, 19, 20, 21-year-old, I learned to shoot pool, and I learned to shoot at Texas Southern. And I spent a lot of time shooting pool instead of studying my lessons, so, and even sometimes going to classes and paid the price for that. So there are distractions. It wasn't so much girls in my case. It was the games, and it was the shooting pool and being in the, in the rec center. And karate was not a distraction, but I did spend time doing that. And the distraction was trying to work, as modest a lot of people, know we're trying to work full-time and go to college full-time and then do those extra things you have to learn to prioritize you have to learn what is important and what you want and what you need and you need to prioritize those things and not, not saying that you're not supposed to have a life but you really need to prioritize
0: I think that's something that a lot of students, when they first get to college, they scramble with because it's so different from high school. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I have all these classes. I have all these other things that I need to do. And and on top of that, if you have a job, extra responsibilities. So what were some of the things that you use or ways that you were able to overcome some of those challenges?
1: prioritizing the, the grades helped me a lot. When I get a bad grade, I knew that I just couldn't get it again. And having to retake class was a waste of money. Again, that money was coming out of my pocket or my mom's pocket. So that would help you prioritize. Dropping classes, dropping it later on in the semester, of course, where you don't get your money back. And also the grades that I remember I was working on another job and I would ride a bus at that time and I would get to school sometimes too late for, for my class. And I, I missed the final because of that once. And I, I got a and my favorite subject, which was algebra. Those challenges were really, again, prioritizing and making sure you get enough sleep because sleep really was important. Just go to your classes and do the work that you need to do. And really, it, it would be good to have a peer group. My daughters taught me that. Having a peer group is a good idea. Go to a library and study together and be accountable to other people in the group.
0: I think that's really important to not lose sight of what the goals are. So keeping in mind those grades for those classes, I definitely agree with your daughters that those peer groups definitely made it way easier for me when I was going through school. Just because, I mean, with all the classes and all the homework, it's always good to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and help you out as well. So changing gears a little bit, what was your experience after you graduated from college? How did you know like what you wanted to do or, or what was your approach once you became a graduate?
1: Going back to TSU, I got a job working for the telephone company out of TSU. And I graduated in December. And I had that job waiting for me since September or August because I'd done so many interviews. So at the time, you know, we were in the middle of affirmative action. And I'm not going to say I got a job because of affirmative action, but I won't say that it, it didn't help because at that time, the government was really putting pressure on companies integrating because, of course, there's a historical systemic problem with that. Companies would go on the campuses and they would interview us and and I was able to get a job there. I was still that country boy who didn't quite understand the system. I got hired as an engineer trainee, outside plant engineer training for the company, and I did not make it. After a few months, they tell me, you know, you're not management material. Of course, I thought it was um, because of um, racism and things like that. And as I have grown older and I look back at that youngster who was working there, I could see their point. Now, I wasn't ready mentally. I I remember being interviewed by the manager, and he was talking to me, and he's saying that we have hiring you to do my job to take over my job and that was infinitely not ever in my mind i was thinking as a worker not a person who could be up in management and i think uh, that interview may have convinced him that i wasn't one of those that that they wanted of course at the time i didn't think so but in reflecting back on life you know if you want to be fair and objective look back objectively and you find sometimes some of the things that you hear other people are doing wrong to you that maybe it wasn't so i didn't make the program and lastly about a year there didn't make the program. I worked for a temporary agency, doing some technical, going back to that technical stuff again, in electricity, working for a cable company in Sugarland. really loved it. And the people loved me and wanted me to stay, but I had decided to join the military, the Marine Corps. And I joined the Marine Corps, stayed there for seven years, uh, seven great years, and came back to Houston, unfortunately. At about the worst time that you could have come back in Houston, it was just the mid-80s when the oil field crashed. I ended up going into the delivery business. I'm working for, for different contractors and companies doing deliveries and, and that's basically how I provided for my family over the last the last number of years.
0: So why did you end up deciding to go to the military if you had that other job where they liked you and, and it was fine?
1: I had always thought young men those days now young men and young women you always want to push yourself and see what you can do and even at that age I had heard it said that you don't want to be older and say you could have I should have done this thing and that's one thing I had always loved reading military books and military history and so on and that's one thing I'd always really wanted to do was join the military I, my grandfather was a police officer in Trinidad and my uncle was a police officer and we had numerous other uh, family members, extended family members who, who had been police officers or so. And that was one thing I thought about while I was there. Coming here to the United States, it was the military. I always thought about the military. I always wanted to be a Marine and really to see if I could make the challenge. You can survive the challenge. I told my mom about it and she agreed. And I think that was important too. I don't know if I would have done it if she said no, but I, I really wanted to do it. Took the test and I different tests, and I was able to pass and get there. And then spent seven years in there.
0: Thank you so much for your service. Did you feel like maybe your options were limited after you left the military because of affirmative action and the discrimination and racism? Did you feel like you had limits on what you could do?
1: To be honest, I probably thought I limited myself. Let's put it like that. I brought back my family here. My One of my daughters was uh, two years older. The other one has not, was not born as yet. And I thought I would come out from the military and be able to get a job here i left the military um, kind of abruptly because of um, augmentation and, and things like that and I, I didn't plan to leave at that time it wasn't anything bad but in the field i was in you needed to be augmented to stay in the military as a career and i'd already spent seven years and i kind of left sooner than i had planned on, on leaving. actually i had planned on staying forever but it needed to be augmented for that and when i came to houston they just want jobs, and it, I don't think it had anything to do with racism or, or maybe well, it, it, it could have, but they want jobs because I remember sitting uh, watching TV and uh, watching a city council meeting where people with PhDs who were later from NASA and contractors was, who were saying that, that they wanted a job of the, of the meter maids because they can do a better job and they were better educated and things. So it was a rough time. It was real bad because the, the oil economy was played a more significant role in Houston than today. I have found that when you get out of college and you you, you go into a business or so, you do do a new job. Again, mentorship, I think, is very important. So people can really help you understand what's expected. You know, it's nice to have knowledge or so, in general knowledge or so, but in any any business, there's some specifics that you need and you need quickly to use in in your business. And of course, you have the culture of different companies and whatever. So again, I think there's always that room for mentorship. And from what I hear today, it's a lot better than when, when I was going through.
0: I think mentors now definitely can play a, a huge role in helping you figure out what you want to do and also lending their network so that you can find opportunities because that's actually how I got my current job through one of my mentors who used to work then. And I remember telling her that I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So she told me about her job and if that could be something that I was interested in. And, and that's how I ended up getting my job. So I definitely can't stress how important mentors are.
1: And I would say is knowing what you want to do. I come from the background of whatever job you give me, I will do it to the best of my ability and I will work as hard as possible. And I would expect that the people for whom I work uh, will recognize that and promote me. And at times that has happened. But to tell you the truth, more times than not, the people who I've worked for have really recognized the hard work and they just leave you right there. Keep, let you keep working hard and, and don't look at promoting you. So And best jobs I've had is where uh, are the ones where people have seen what I've done and they promoted me i now understand from my daughters that it doesn't exactly work like that these days that the managers supervisors your bosses they have a responsibility to move the people up who needs to be moved up give people opportunity and things like that but i think too many companies we have supervisors and managers who just they're like hard people and they will keep you there to work hard and not give you that opportunity
0: Definitely. I felt that too. And I feel like sometimes you have to fight for your promotion a little bit or just really make your case so that they can't ignore the fact that you are doing your job really well and are definitely meeting the requirements to be promoted.
1: Right. And that's what I'm learning from my kids. Your generation, you all are really asserting yourselves and holding those people who you work for accountable for recognizing your work and, and rewarding you. And you speak up for yourselves. And, and I came from a generation, I guess, in a way, uh, we didn't speak up for ourselves. At least I didn't. And I expected my boss to recognize the work I do and reward me appropriately.
0: That's funny because I actually felt that same way when I first started my job. And it was because of mentors that they're like, no, you need to stick up for yourself and make your case. Because if it wasn't for that, then I'd probably be still in the same position. And so I try to do that for others as well, letting them know. Because I think a lot of Christians have that mentality that they expect people to recognize their efforts and appropriately promote them. But that's not always the case. I always try to make sure to let other people know that you also have to look out for yourself as well.
1: I'll give you one example. A company i worked for and i love working for these folks but i remember being on vacation and they they called me asked me if i can come back from vacation because they need me and i also remember that i had an assistant i was a manager at the time and i had an assistant there would be opportunities for school or improvement as far as knowing the job or so and they would not let me go to the school or the classes because they needed me but they would let my assistant go and i realized that even though i like these folks they were not doing me any favors
0: Switching a little bit into your family, do you feel like because of your background, whether because you were an immigrant or first gen, or maybe even because of the oil bus, that impact your timeline for when you were planning to have a family as maybe compared to others?
1: We had our first child at the end of the year, three of our marriage. And uh, by the way, my wife had sickle cell at the time. So we spent a lot of time in hospitals too. But we had our first child after three years of marriage. She graduated from TSU also. She was a year and a half younger than me. And we really didn't plan really our family as such. We wanted two or three kids. First time, my oldest daughter, she had some deformities when she was born and that was kicking the gut. We had to work through that and she and she has had to work through that through her life. And we were actually scared of having another child worrying about if the child would have the same type of disabilities and things like that. And even though we saw that Michelle was coping with hers and she, she did a very good job of it, we were afraid, I think. But we did have a, a second child six years later. It amazes me how the younger people think today and you have a lot of things planned and so on. We really didn't have things really planned. we would handle things as they come we would we would work hard and do do the best job for family and so but it wasn't really planned. But one thing, my wife had been a teacher in some of these daycares and and so on. She had some experience with that. And that, I think, that was the number one thing, I I believe, that really impacted my kids to the extent that they're successful today. She started with them early. She she was loving and she was teaching. And she made learning fun when they were the one, two, and three years old or even, even from the time they were born. She made learning fun for them. So they had a head start. You know, not all moms can stay with their kids. When we had our second kid, she stayed home for a couple of years with Ashley. Ashley is our second child. And I think more than anything else, she contributed a lot to their success of today by giving them that head start.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I like had a conversation with another parent and she kind of mentioned the same thing that being present for your child just makes a huge difference. So I think if you can give them that head start, then that's great. But even if you can't, just being there for them and giving them support makes a huge difference. What legacy were you hoping to pass on to your daughters about college?
1: The thing about college with them was, I don't think there was ever a time that we ever thought they would not go to college or they ever thought they would not go to college. The only reason they would not be able to is because of finances. Whereas with me, it was until I I was 17, 18 years old before I even thought about college. I think my kids from day one, once they heard about college, they knew that they would be going to college and we always knew that they would also. Again, finances would be a problem. But by that time now, I've learned about loans and grants and things like that and scholarships and things things like that. I think we always knew. We took it for granted, essentially, they were going to college.
0: It's very interesting how like, within one generation, it completely flips the idea of college because for you, it was just, oh, yeah, I should definitely do it. And you didn't have much of a plan, whereas for your daughters, that's expected from day one. So that's very interesting.
1: And interestingly, also, my mother-in-law and my mom, for them, it was automatic too. they were thinking that the grandkids would be going to college. That was just accept And I guess it's mainly because my wife and I did also. And the grandparents expected that the grandkids would go. And of course, they were important. And it does take a village to raise children. And so they were very important too. And
0: I think for us as first gen, sometimes that comes as part of the way we bring up the next generation after us. It becomes an expectation, and just being able to share that experience that you've now been to college and made it possible opens the door for everybody else coming up behind you.
1: Attitude adjustment is very important, like you said, is from something that you don't think that you could do or it's taken for granted. You will be going to college, and it, it kind of helps you understand parts of the society where that has been taken for granted for. Generations where these folks' kids expected kids to go to college and to get the bachelor's degree. In the days, my days, it was a bachelor's degree, and these days, it's now people are expecting automatically, say, masters and PhDs. So that's interesting too.
0: Yeah, in my family, when I was applying to college, I didn't know anyone at all in my family had gone to college. And now that I've gone and some of my sisters have gone, now I'm seeing that some of my younger cousins are like taking that initiative as well. So it's, it's interesting to see that it doesn't even have to take like a full generation. It's just somebody has to be the first and set that example so that people can see that it's achievable. So looking back, is there anything you would have done differently with your daughter's education? Not
1: really. Michelle, my older daughter, she graduated from High Tower and she, she did she was in the top ten percent or so and she went to U T in Austin. I was thinking that, you know, U of H here in Houston would have been nice <laughs> because your <tea laughs> was very expensive. But uh, luckily, I didn't voice any objections. And the kids should go to the colleges that they want to go to. And I told Ashley that I couldn't afford to send her to college. And her job in high school was to get a scholarship. And I didn't want her working in the summer. I didn't want her doing, going out there working because I remembered me. And you can lose track when you start working too early. I thought her her job was getting a scholarship, and I tell you what, she made an A plus on that one because she was number one in her class. So I wish I could have done a better job with helping out Michelle, no working and things like that. But she succeeded uh, at UT. Could I have done anything different or better? Really, the kids took charge. They did not get to college because of me pushing them or their mom pushing them. The kids took charge, and they did what they needed to do and they did not have to be motivated by us at all
0: that's interesting you should say that like in my family for example my parents sort of supported me by the same way you you did with your with your daughters they like told me that i didn't have to get a job or anything just to focus on school and i think that really gave me that freedom to really focus on school and so i ended up getting essentially a full ride to rise and so they didn't have to worry about those finances and while they feel like they maybe didn't actually directly support my education journey just by them giving me that option of not having to worry about all these other things or helping you know contribute to a family with a job or something like that made all of the difference so i'm sure you had more to do with your daughter's education than you might be giving yourself credit for
1: thank you but you know in the end it's you you are the ones who do it and you, you all have been doing a good job you know it would be wonderful to see this country in the next 20 30 years because You all are making an impact, and you're going to make a a serious impact on this country.
0: I sure hope so. So we'll see how that goes. So your daughters did leave home for college. So how did you feel when you realized that they were leaving home?
1: I had more of an objection with Michelle, my older daughter, going to Austin than with Ashley. I think in the beginning, it was because of the convenience of uh, U of H right here and things like that. But Austin wasn't too far away. With Ashley, she had opportunities, and I know she was going to go far away. I think she had a chance to do Rice for undergrad and didn't choose Rice, and she went to California instead. Even though I did not live on campus at TSU, you find <laughs> some of the things that go on in college campuses, but I really didn't think my kids would go to college and go wild and not study and things like that. Uh, funny any parent out there, I would tell them that you have to begin trusting your kids in high school and giving them more and more freedoms so that when they go to college and they go away from home, it's not going to be a strange situation. You need to let them know that you trust them, that you have confidence in them, in that they would make the right choices most of the time. What also helped also the grandmothers, I think, too, that people have expectations of you and your conduct and so on. You don't embarrass yourself, and I had no problem with them going away because I knew what it could mean. Again, and you're talking to a guy who was in in the military for seven years. So going away is really a growing up um, time also. It really helps you a lot. I really didn't have any problems. Uh, Probably may have had less problems with boys than girls, but I I trusted them, and I know that they would make right decisions. And and I know that I couldn't know exactly 100% what was going on in their life in college. And, and maybe I didn't want to know. Is their time to grow up? And you have to trust them. When they come out of college, they're more likely not coming home to live anymore. They are going to be on their own. So that is really the proven ground, more or less, before you, you really get on out there.
0: Speaking to that point, so w- what kind of involvement did you have when they were away for college? or What were you able to still do, like regular phone calls or send care packages or things like that? What involvement did you have?
1: It was a phone call, and it was also the phone. I remember Michelle, when she went to UT, we were doing the, I think it was T-Mobile, X number of minutes that you would get and. Uh, try to max out and those minutes would be gone before the end of the month and you'd have to put more money so so mine was a lot of it was it was financial and you get phone calls and again in college the parents don't need to know what grades their university is not obligated to tell the parents what grades the kids are making so they will tell you anything and i'm not saying that mine's lied to me but, uh, and they can change your majors at any time. And a parent may have a major in mind. But you know what? Let your kid choose that major. They will choose that major <laughs> eventually up there unless that money is coming out of your pocket. But if they have loans and scholarships and things like that, you know, they will more likely change their major once they get to the university after a year or so. So mine was, to a certain extent, financial. Michelle would come home every few weeks or, or months or whatever, and we'd pick her up at the bus stop, and then she would go back again on Sunday night, get the bus and drive up to Austin. A faxer was important. Uh, that was a pain, just getting all that information to get qualified. That was a pain. I remember, I think one Friday night or one week night, driving up to Austin to finish the faxer because I hadn't done it in time, and we had a deadline. It was due the next day, so after work that evening, I drove up to Austin and I met Michelle Michelle and elaborating, and we got that done because I needed to get some documents to her that we couldn't fax. So we would visit Austin, and Michelle would, for the most part, come down because her mother was sick. And, and Michelle worried a lot about her mom. And with Ashley, it was mainly the phone calls. You know, and I don't think none of them ever called to say, you know, mom, dad, I don't think I can make it. You know, this is too hard or whatever. They adjusted and adapted.
0: Did that distance that actually went all the way to California make a difference to you as a parent?
1: The thing about California, I was somewhat familiar with it, at least Southern California, because I was in the military from 1980 to 1985 in California in the military. California is far, but and we lived there. My wife and I lived there, too. I got married in 81, so we really didn't think of California as being that far, as far a distance, but culturally, it didn't seem as far. And we know that actually, uh, if she had any issues, she would call and she would, you know, especially her mom.
0: What tips do you have for any of our parent listeners out there to help them support their children if they do want to go away for college or or just in general?
1: I would say trust your children. Let them know that you have confidence in them. Tell them don't take the easy way out. Take the challenge. And I would say look at what you have given that child for the first 18 years of their life and and have confidence in, in that you give them the right things to prepare them or to equip them to manage in a college campus. It's going to be a bunch of kids who, uh, no matter what they think or they say, they, but they all in basically in the same situation. And as a first gen, it does not take a long time once you get into that society or get into that atmosphere. It does not take a long time to learn the ropes and to be able to maneuver as well as and even better than those who have grown up in it all their life. So trust in them. Let them know that you, know, you have confidence in them and support them to the extent, you know, if he could financially support them but also don't let them waste your money if let them know that that's important too
0: very well said well thank you so much Mr. John for joining us today on the podcast it's been a pleasure to have you and get to know a little bit more about your story
1: well I, I thank you very much luce I appreciate it and I hope uh, whatever I said it may contribute in some little bit and to someone uh, helping someone out.
0: As you've heard from our guest's journey today, life doesn't always take a linear path. From immigrating from Trinidad at age 16 to deciding to go to college almost on a whim, Mr. John took life as it came. For our first-gen friends, he stresses that some of the lessons that helped him or would have helped him along the way are asking questions, seeking mentors, making connections and building a community or peer group, learning to prioritize, and making sure to speak up for yourself can really make a difference. And for our parents, he emphasizes that learning to trust your children, even since high school, is important. And if they decide to leave home for school, it's important to provide them the support and let them grow up. Thanks again to Mr. John for being our guest, and thank you for tuning in today on How to College for First Gens. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org. If you have any questions or feedback, as we want to hear what you think, What you're struggling with, and how we can help. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at How to College First Gen on Instagram and Facebook, and HTC First Gen on Twitter. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time.